Lord, as we listen to your holy word, open our hearts to the power of your spirit. Call us out of darkness and lead us into your marvelous light. Amen. The first reading today is from Psalm 31, verses 1 through 5 and 15 and 16. To the leader, a psalm of David. In you, O Lord, I seek refuge. Do not let me ever be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me. Incline your ear to me and rescue me speedily. Be a rock of refuge for me, a strong fortress to save me. You are indeed my rock and my fortress. For your name's sake, lead me and guide me. Take me out of the net that has hidden for me. For you are my refuge. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of the enemies and persecutors. Let your face shine upon your servant. Save me in your steadfast love. This is the good news we have received, in which we stand, and by which we are saved. Thanks be to God. Our gospel reading this morning comes to us from John chapter 14. I'll be reading the first seven verses. Listen to the word of the Lord. Jesus said, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, O Christ. Let's pray. Generous God, whose way is love, whose truth is searching, whose life is freely given in Jesus Christ our Lord, as you have opened for us your house of many rooms, so may we make a place for the rejected and unloved and share the work of peace. Through Jesus Christ, the image of God, we pray. Amen. When I was a freshman in high school, I had a clear vision in my mind of what heaven would be like. And for me, it was living at Deer Creek State Park Lodge <laughs> with my church youth group, all of us on the same floor. Of course, we'd all have our own rooms because in 
God's house, there are many, many rooms. <laughs> but we'd be able to eat together and swim together and live together in this place that I apparently conceived of as the epitome of paradise. I've gone back to that lodge since that time, and now I wonder, what exactly is it that I saw in this place? I mean, it's fine and all, but couldn't my imagination go a little bit higher than that? I suppose there's nothing wrong with humble desires. What I was longing for was a place of belonging, to live amongst friends who loved me as I was, because I didn't fit in in high school, but I did belong in my youth group. In fact, the reason I became a pastor was because of the belonging that I experienced in my church growing up. Church for me was a safe place where my troubled heart found rest. I think that's what it's supposed to be for everyone. Well, in today's reading, Jesus is comforting a group of disciples who have troubled hearts. They know that he's going away, And they're frightened about what life will be without him around. And he responds with some of the most comforting words ever spoken. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. For in my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may also be. Jesus is leaving, but he will come back. And in the meantime, he's preparing a place for you. Jesus is a busy host, making preparations for the guests to arrive. And when you go somewhere, doesn't it feel great when you arrive at a destination and the place is cleaned and prepped for you, and maybe the host has even left you an individual note letting you know they're so glad you're here. That makes all the difference in the world. It's the difference between uh, feeling like an imposition and being wanted. And Jesus wants us to know that we are not a burden to God, but a delight. For God is both hospitable and roomy. See, good hosts, they create space for their guests to thrive, to live, and to move, and to have their being. They're they're available to their guests, but they don't crowd them. It's a delicate balance in hospitality between privacy and connection. Henry Nouwen writes that hospitality is not a subtle invitation to adopt the lifestyle of the host, but the gift of a chance for the guest to find his own. See, the most hospitable people in your life aren't those who try to change you into becoming something else. But those who trusted you enough to find your own way. And so we have to ask ourselves, is this what God is like? Or is God more like a drill sergeant pushing you to become something else, to become something better? You see, we can't just assume that God is the way we want God to be. Otherwise, we just end up worshiping ourselves. And so while this image of God as the host who gives us space to grow into ourselves, it sounds nice, but what about that part where Jesus says, no one comes to the Father except through me? That, that doesn't sound particularly open and hospitable. That sounds narrow and confining. John 14, 6 is perhaps the most quoted verse by fundamentalist Christians. 
used as a litmus test to find out whether or not you truly believe. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Sounds like Jesus is saying that the only path to God is by becoming a Christian. And if that's the case, if that's right, then why bother making space for other people to grow into themselves? Wouldn't it be more loving to just try to convince everybody to become a Christian? That's what's fueled our missionary efforts primarily over the years. Now, we've been learning in the adult forum that there are other ways to do mission in the world, more hospitable ways that respect the dignity of difference, and I'm all for that. But what do we do with John 14, 6? Is God hospitable, or is God trying to coerce us all into a single worldview? I think we need to consider Jesus' words with more depth, and not just assume that they mean what we think they mean. And so after telling his disciples that he's going away to prepare a place for them, he says, you know the place where I am going. Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we possibly know the way? And Jesus responds, Christianity is the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through Christianity. Wait, is that, was that wrong? Did I misquote that? That's not what it says, right? He says, I am the way. That's very different. Uh, this is one of many I am statements that Jesus makes in the Gospel of John. And I am is a reference to the divine name that God reveals to Moses in the burning bush back in Exodus chapter 3. Moses says, who am I supposed to tell these people that is sending me? And God says, tell them that I am has sent you. I am, God reveals as the divine name. Who is God? God is I am the ground of being, the source of existence. This is a mysterious and elusive way for God to refer to God's own self. See, what this means is that God is not something that we can package and say, well, th this is who God is. And God is always more expansive, bigger than our ideas about who God is. And Jesus uses this name for God and says, I am the way and the truth and the life. So we must ask, is he talking about himself? Is he talking about God as the way? Is it both? It is mysterious and elusive. Even if we can't fully understand the depth of I am, the fact that Jesus points us not to a religion or to a belief system, but to the way, this, this is crucial. If Jesus is the way, then what does that way look like? Is the way of Jesus uh, coercive? Is it all about conformity? Or is the Jesus way about compassion and inclusion and love and forgiveness? See, once we dive past the surface understanding of Jesus' words, the God of hospitality who makes room for us all comes right back into view. An American rabbi was asked what he thought about Jesus' words here in John 14, 6. And he said, oh, I, I agree with them. And the questioner said, but how can you as a rabbi believe that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life? Well, because, the rabbi answered, I believe that Jesus' way is the way of love and that Jesus' truth is the truth of love and that Jesus' life is the life of love. No one comes to the Father except 
through love. Not bad, huh? See, sometimes it takes an outsider to help us see that which is standing right in front of us. Jesus is not playing a bait-and-switch game with us about God, first dangling out a God of roomy hospitality, only then to switch and give us a narrow and coercive God. No. For Jesus, God is love all the way down. And the way of love is broad enough for anyone to follow. You certainly don't need to be a Christian to follow in the way of love. Chinese philosophy uses this word, Tao. And it's a hard word to define. It can be maybe defined as uh, the absolute principle that is underlying the universe. And when we live in harmony with the Tao, we are living in harmony with the universe itself. And so what Jesus reveals to us is that the Tao is love. The Tao of Jesus is the way of love, and on this way there is room for us all. So Jesus is going to prepare a place for us. Most of us assume that must refer to heaven, right? But the place Jesus is preparing for us is not somewhere that we go. It's something that God brings to us. Jesus promises to come back and take us to himself, and so we assume, oh, that must refer to the future, to one day on down the line. But if we read a little further down, in verse 16, Jesus says, the way that he will come back to us again is through the Holy Spirit. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the Spirit of truth. And so the many rooms that Jesus is preparing are the many relationships that God has. Jesus with the Father, the Spirit with us. And just as Jesus is in the Father, the Holy Spirit unites us to God as well so that our lives right here and now can know true belonging to the God of love. So you don't have to wait until you die to go to God's dwelling place. We can live there right here and now when we live in the Tao of Jesus. And so perhaps my high school vision of heaven wasn't all that misguided. To be in a place where you belong, where you are nurtured by the community, that's what it means to live in God's house. Dr. King called this the beloved community. Jesus called it the kingdom of God. I called it Deer Creek State Park Lodge. (laughs) But the truth is it can be anywhere, so long as that is a place of love and belonging. And at our best, that's what covenant is. A community whose way is love. That's what so many of you have found this church to be. A community that loves and supports you just as you are. And everything we've been up to around here the past few years is about expanding our vision of who belongs here. That our children might grow up in this space knowing that they belong here, that this is their church too. That our welcome statement, which says that whatever your race or your gender identity or sexual orientation, whether your belief is strong, wavering, or non-existence, you belong here. Because God's room, God's love makes room for everyone. My friends, you belong here, each and every one of you. And I'm so glad that you do. Amen.